I wanted to come here today because uh, five of my players are here. <clears throat> five of my players that have been mistreated time and again by their school and by their teammates. And I have not done enough to stop it. Now, at the beginning of this season, um, my team, almost my entire team, they gave themselves to love. A love that I didn't understand. A love that began to conquer hatred. And after the game on Friday, I went home. And I prayed. Not that I really know how to do that. But I told God that I don't know if you're real. But I want, I want whatever my players have. I came here today because I believe. I believe and I want to be baptized. I wanted to come here today because... Uh, Click on the next slide. If you listen to what the coach said, he didn't just say, I believe. He believes because he surrendered, and he surrendered because he saw the example of Christ in the world through a bunch of football players. How we act, what we say, our attitudes towards someone, our actions towards others can be good or they could be bad on how it affects our witness. Since chapter 12, Paul has begun to tell us in this Romans letter as he writes and he tells us how to behave, how to live out in the world, how we are to be responsible with our behavior in here, in the church body, and how to be responsible, how to behave out there. How do we do that? Over and over he has shared with us since 12 verse 1. And of course, he over and over reminds us that love of God and love of others is the key. All of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, reminds us that the love of God and the love of others is a key element of this relationship that we have as a Christian, as we have with God and one another. We have probably used John's first letter 
I don't know, dozens of times to our, as our call to confession. We even preached through John's letters. And we hear John say this, if you say that you love God and hate your brother or sister, the love of God is not in you. The love of God is not real if you hate your brother and your sister. Paul has reminded us since 12.1, and so we've moved through these chapters, he's reminded us that God is an authority. He is sovereign over everything. And even in his sovereignty, he has commanded us that we are to be subject to the authority of those over us, government, others. In chapter 14, he reminded us not to judge others. And he reminded us that there are things that are not scripturally prescribed, another, the non-essentials of faith, that we need to be patient with. We need to not judge in fact, he reminds us as believers, and especially those that are strong in the faith, that we are to help the weak, those that are infants in the faith. We're to bring them along. We're to help them in their growth spiritually, Paul says. We're to nurture them, encourage them, not tear them down. And now we come to this third and final part of this section. In fact, this section... Ends the letter somewhat. Paul, as we will see in the last three sermons of this letter, as we finish this um, sermon series, the third Sunday in September, um, we'll see that he kind of end, well, he ends this thought here, but he gives some other thoughts uh, as he closes out the letter. In this piece of the verses today, this passage reminds us that we are to deny ourselves, and not only follow Christ, but Christ is to be our example. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, turn to Romans, the 15th chapter, and I'll be reading the first 13 verses. Now we who are strong ought to bear the witness of those without strength, and not just to please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but, it is but as is, it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fall on me. For whatever was written in the earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may be with one voice glorify, glorify uh, the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant of the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles and I will sing to your name. Again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you hold through this, your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. For even Christ did not please himself. And that is a statement, isn't it? That the Lord God, the Father, sent his Son into the world, and John or Paul in this case reminds us that Christ did not please himself. Over and over again in Scripture, we see this, especially in the life of Jesus Christ. But we have to go back to Genesis 3, and we know that Genesis reminds us that the seed of woman will crush the head of Satan. We know that Christ wins this battle. We know what Revelation says about this battle that's going to take place. But in the meantime, we know that Jesus did not have it easy as he lived on this earth. Paul says, for even Christ did not please himself. Jesus faced hardships, reproach. He had ridicule, even beatings, as we know. It was not an easy road, an easy life as he began his ministry. And over and over again, as we see the life of Jesus Christ, we also hear that we are to be like him. We're to be an example of Christ, for he is our example. 1 Peter 2, verses 21 through 25. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. I'm not sure if it gets much clearer than that. That's a pretty clear statement in verse 21 that that he left us an example for us to follow in his steps. We're to be like Christ. He goes on and says, Who committed no sin nor any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats but kept entrusting himself to him 
In other words, his father who judges righteously. Christ is our example. We are called, he says. We are called to live without sin. Is it hard? Yes. Is it our goal? Yes, it is. Our life is to be without deceit coming out of our mouth. We are not to speak, speak uh, disparagingly of anyone. Even if suffering is on us, there should be no threats, but we are to trust God, God the Father, who will judge righteously. Over and over again, we are called to be an example. Peter continues in verse 24 in that second chapter, and he himself bore our sins on his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live righteous for by his wounds you were healed. Christ has made a way. Don Moen wrote a song to that title, God Has Made a Way. When there seems to be no way, and many of us have been in that spot where there just seems to be no way, we're facing something, and God makes a way. He has healed us by his wounds. And then that verse 25, for you were continually straying as sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd, the guardian of your soul. He bore our sins on the cross. He made a way for us. We who were lost, he brought us back. He cleansed us through his blood. And he has called us to be like him, the example in a lost world. How cool is that? How cool is it that God would use me or you? He calls us to this work of the gospel. We die to sin. We live to righteousness because we were healed by his wounds. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. How about Philippians? So the Paul writes to the church at Philippi and in the second chapter in verse 21, he says this, For you have been called. Hey, how about that? It, it seems like Peter said that, right? For you have been called. And now Paul says in Philippians, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you what? An example. Sounds like to me that we have an example before us. You have an example for you follow in his steps who committed no sin nor was any deceit found in his mouth and while being reviled he did not revile. How about that? This is so wonderful as he reminds us of that. That he emptied himself in the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of him, we were found in the appearance of, he was found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient even to death, the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason God highly exalted him 
and bestowed on him the name above every name. Jesus set the example for us. He is our example. When he came to John the Baptist at the Jordan, he came to John, and John had been baptizing with a sinner's baptism. And here's Jesus, the perfect, perfect person, never had sin. And he comes to John, and he wants to be baptized. And John says, oh, no, wait, 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 wait. No, I don't need to be baptized. I don't need to be baptizing you. You need to be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no. And so here is the sinless son of God that is baptized a sinner's baptism by John the Baptist. Setting the example that he would take the sins of the world upon him. The religious leaders hated him. They said that he blasphemed God for healing on the seventh. Other times they said he was filled with demons, that he was Satan incarnate, yet his behavior never pointed to that. He ate with sinners. He ministered to the outcast. He touched those that no one was willing to touch. He sat down beside those that no one was willing to sit down beside. He is our example. And then we fast forward and we look at Luke 22. And as Luke tells us in verse 39 that Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he is prostrate on the ground and he is, blooding, he is sweating blood, uh, drops of tears of blood because he knows what's going to happen. He knows what is ahead. He knows what he's going to face for you and me. Yeah, make it personal. He's my example of life. He is my example of relationship. He is my example of how I live with you and how I live out there with others. Whether they're like me or believe like me, or act like me, or look like me. He's, he's my example. If we look at these verses in verse 4 through 7 in this chapter, we are reminded of this example for whatever was written in the earlier times of Scripture for the instruction so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of Scripture that we might have hope, that we might have hope. Now by the God who gives perseverance and encouragement, grant you to be the same mind with one another according to Jesus Christ, so that with one accord, you might, with one voice, glorify God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ has accepted us. Again, our example. There's twice in these verses, 4 through 7, that there's a so that. And you know important pieces follow that so that, right? And so the first piece, that first so that, is that Scripture gives us instructions 
so that through perseverance and encouragement, we have hope. That we have hope. Our hope is found in Christ, who is our example. We give hope because we have been given hope. Let me give you an example. I read a story, um, it's a true story, where um, this hospital had teachers that were assigned to the kids' ward. And this teacher was there because when kids were there for extended stays, they wanted to make sure that their teachers from school could give the homework or help those kids so they wouldn't get behind. And so this particular teacher got a call uh, from the school and said, uh, there's a young man, gave the room number and the hall that they were on and everything, and said, I want you to go, and we are learning uh, nouns and adverbs, and I want you to go and help him so he doesn't get behind. So the teacher hung up the phone, she looked at the, the room number, and followed the hallways to get to the, the child's room. And when she got to the room, lo and behold, she had not realized that she was on the burn ward. ward. She looked through the, the glass door, and inside was a young boy that had been burned badly, in pain. And so she choked a little bit, thought, I've never been exposed to anything like this before. I'm not sure that I can do this. But she decided that she would go in, and here's what she said. I'm the hospital teacher, and your teacher has sent me to help you with nouns and adverbs. And so she spent some time with the, the young boy. She left and said, I'll be back tomorrow. As she came back the next day, the ward nurse met her in the hallway and said, What in the world did you do to this boy yesterday? And as she started to stammer and look for an apology, she said, the nurse said, no, no, wait, you don't understand. When you left him yesterday, everything changed. His whole outlook on life changed. He started responding to their treatment. He actually showed that he had that desire to live. He's fighting back. Later, the boy explained, and I quote, They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a boy that was dying, would they? She gave me hope. You see, hope can change your life. And our hope is found in the Lord. And we give hope because we have been given hope in the Lord. That's who we are as people of God. We need to remember not only are we hopeful people, but we are to take the example of Christ and offer hope to others. There's another so that in these verses. That so that says that we would be of one accord, of one voice, glorifying God the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
In other words, unity. Unity. Christ is our example because he wants us to live into the unity that comes through his example of how he dealt not only with those that were believers around him, but how he dealt with the lost world. We are to deny ourselves and lift others up. That's often where unity happens. The unity of the body of Christ is so important. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17, read this way. So as those who have been chosen, there again we hear that, holy and beloved, pure on uh, pure on the heart of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you should forgive. Beyond these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule your heart, to which indeed you were called to one body, and to be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishment with one another, with the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving or thankfulness in your heart to God. Whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Paul gives us this great list of the attributes that we are to follow, this example of Christ, Christ who was compassionate and humble, Christ who was, showed kindness and gentleness and patience with those around him, Christ who forgave those around him, Christ who offers forgiveness to all who believe. He offers peace in our heart. He calls us to be one body, to lift our voice in unity, this is the example that we have. And Paul reminds us, even in this letter, the key element is love. This is the perfect bond of unity, Paul says. We are called to be one body, doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to live as Christ lived, a righteous life. And then, in these latter verses, Paul reminds us that there is another example that Christ set, and that is bringing together the Jews and the Gentiles. He brought them together, and he reminds us in these scriptures of, of how it happened. And we know that the Gentiles were hostile to the, or the Jews and vice versa. The Jews called them dogs. They didn't want anything to do with them. You didn't eat with them. You didn't go to their house. You had nothing to do with them. They held them under utter contempt. But to be honest with you, the Gentiles didn't have much, hold much for the, the Jews either. They hated them too. They didn't want anything to do with them. Um, they looked down on them. Um, they, each of these groups hated one another. But yet Paul says, Jesus, Jesus was that connecting peace among the Jews and the Gentiles. And the first thing that he tells us is that he became the servant of circumcision. In other words, Jesus, Jesus joined them together by limiting, giving in and limiting his own liberty. He healed that breach between the Jews. 
by giving in and limiting his own liberty. And here's what Paul means by that. It means that here is God in Jesus Christ. This is fully God who created everything and created man and woman perfectly. But circumcision was a part of the Jewish ritual, a part of the Jewish rite. And God had his son, Jesus, submit to circumcision. And not only that, that he was a Jew in every sense of the word, coming from the root of Jesse, but he was going to fulfill the promises of the fathers, the forefathers of the faith. Jesus, who declared all, all foods clean, never ate anything kosher. He did not have ham sandwiches for breakfast, nor did he have eggs and bacon. He limited his liberty. We talked about that a few weeks ago, about limiting our liberty because of how others view those non-essentials. And here Jesus, he didn't have to. He didn't need to as far as his divinity was concerned. But he lived into the laws of the Jews to show them that he was part of those promises that were made. But not only that, not only did he live into that, he also lived into the mercy, Paul says, to the Gentiles. The Gentiles did not have the promises of the, the forefathers that the Jews had. But yet Jesus showed mercy to the Gentiles. These two, Jew and Gentile, were fully to become one in Jesus Christ. Jesus was going to unite them as the scriptures predicted. And they were to be an example of Christ in the world. Both were called. Both had salvation. Both Jesus showed mercy to. And then Paul closes this letter with a great verse. It's a verse that, well, it's actually one of those verses that I would say you ought to memorize. It's verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There's another so that so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. These words that appear here remind us of the great promise that we have in Jesus Christ. Twice we are called to this overflowing hope, this joy that passes all understanding, this peace, this calmness, this confidence, this trust that we have in believing in Jesus. And that finally we have a power in the Holy Spirit that not only guides us, but fills us with power to be his example in the world. The invisible force, the Holy Spirit, this invisible force can open doors that man can't shut and can shut doors that man can't open. The Holy Spirit can open doors that you and I can't open. And the Holy Spirit can shut doors before us that we can't open. And so 
the Holy Spirit gives us power, releases in us the power to lead this example that Christ has called us to, that the scriptures point us to being a positive point of faith, righteous before each other and before the world, so that hope, peace, joy, trust, and power can work through us as we can be an example of Christ to the world. The world tells us and shows us many divisions, many arguments that we are to be about ourself and not to be self-denying, obedient to what we are called to be by Christ. The world talks about self. But what the scriptures remind us of, love God, love your neighbor. The coach in this opening video that I showed, his football players exhibited a, a love that he didn't understand. And it was tangible. It was visible to others that were around this program, that was around each other. And it did not just zoom in and move through the football team, but it affected the coach. It affected his outlook on life. It was dynamic. The coach's life was changed to the point of surrender to the only one that would give him hope of the same life as those that he saw Jesus in. My question to you is, are we examining ourselves? Are we looking at ourselves, examining ourselves? Or are we living for Christ in a way that others can see Christ in us? Are we? And if we aren't doing that, why? We need to examine why that may not be a part of our life. Has unity in the body of Christ escaped us? Are there those that we have issues with that need to be handled so that unity can be a part of the body of Christ? We can't live just for self. God calls us to more than that. I live for Christ, for it is there that I find my hope. Where do you place your hope? In whom is your hope? I pray it's in the Lord. And my prayer is that all of us, including me, will be the example that God has called us to. That example of Jesus Christ in the world so that others can see the living Christ that lives in me and in you. May it be so. May it be so. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for who you are and what you have done through your son Jesus, the Christ. The one who came, lived, and died, and rose again to new life so that we would have life in him. And Father, that call to have life in him and to live righteously is the example that Christ set. 
And I pray, Father, this morning that we would examine ourselves. Are we living that righteous life that others can see Christ? Are we loving God? Are we loving our neighbor? Are we? We can. And we have the very power of the Holy Spirit that you've given us to do so. And so, Father, I pray this morning, as we think about these verses, as we think about this premise of Christ, our example, Father, may we each examine ourselves so that we can be the best that we can be in glorifying you in our ways, in our speech, in our deeds, in our ministry, in all that you have called us to, so that you may be glorified and others may come to Christ through the witness of Christ, our living Lord, in whose name that we pray. Amen.